and thanks for joining us. Uh, who am I kidding? I say guys and girls. We know that no women listen to this show, Hunter. Wow. My uh, wife listens to this show, sir. All the women are on the left, right? On the left of what? On the left side of the aisle. Oh, okay. We're talking politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. of course. I meant on the left of your bit. What, what did you think I meant? I don't know. Yeah, just, the, they can't vote like a, they can't vote like a conservative. I'm that, telling. I'm telling. That would make them men, wouldn't it? Yeah, that that's true. Wait that, a minute. If the women vote conservative because they have conservative ideas. Yes, I'm putting and, this on the whiteboard. Yeah. Okay. And that makes them on the right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so because they're race traders. Okay. So they're on right. the right, and then they go, and that would make them men uh-huh. because they're race traders, right? Okay. Yes. Which would make them trannies. Yes. Which would make them on the left again. So the problem that I'm getting into here is that it never ends. Okay, I drew. I just kept drawing a circle, and I think you saw that. Is yeah. that is that what you were saying? Like that's it's... more more defined than a lot of the arguments we've made so far. I've I made a Venn diagram. A Venn... That is not a Venn diagram. <laughs> that's called a, a. That's. I find it strange that if the one way you describe your Venn diagram is not a Venn diagram, that you would choose to you give said... it the old nomenclature of diagram. Then, Hunter, I'm a little bit perplexed. <laughs> I think that pretty much any other John Hancock you'd slap on that would be more fitting. You know what I'm saying? Circle, circle, ellipsis. Either one's fine. Who cares? What's the difference between a circle and ellipsis? Nobody knows. Not even scientists. Anyway, to free you from this audio hellscape, welcome to Carl Pooling, the show where we discuss everything that's important in the entire world, and we do it from a moving vehicle. Yes. You'll love it. Your friends are going to love it. So uh, tell them to come listen. Carl Pooling, it's the best. Yes. Uh, and it starts right now. Oh. Hunter. Yeah. Let's jump in. How was your week? My week was great. I did I did a lot of things this week that nobody cares about. And I agree. Yeah, cool. I did the same thing. That's awesome. In that case, let's go to our first segment. Do you know what our first segment is? I do. Do you? I, of course I do. I made it up, Christopher. It well, starts with an S and ends with a mince. <laughs> cool. Why don't you tell the audience? Studio enhancements. <laughs> I love it. Let's go. Okay. So, uh, t- this week... Dear old dad does listen to the show. I got a problem with my tire. So oh, I was just re-listening to that episode the other day. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if we're all gonna die. Yeah, so it's not a big deal, but I definitely have to go get a patched or a new thing. I'm also just wondering how long I can lazily not care about it and it not be an issue. Well, not for too many more episodes of me being in the car with you, because that, I care about my life. That's fair enough, I guess. And so. Honor, I care about it mostly because it's good. And I know you don't know exactly what that's like, but just trust good. me, if your life was as good as my life, you Lying. wouldn't want to throw it away to this uh, rusting death trap that you call a vehicle. Got it. Didn't okay. you just get a new job? Why can't you afford a car? I can't afford a car, but I don't really want to spend the money on a car. Gotcha. What do you want to spend the money on? Uh, vacation. Now you're talking. Yeah. Where yeah. do you want to go? Just kidding. I don't care. Just kidding. Uh, let's move on to our next segment, because we are on a breakneck pace today to I get through tell. the part at the beginning where we just uh, spew off at the mouth and foam uh, in record time. Okay. So let's move on to my favorite, roadkill. Now, you told me, Hunter, that you had some extra special roadkill for today. Yeah, this is really great. Um, the uh, Democrats at this <laughs> little place called CNN had a... Hunter, how dare you? How dare you? Impugn the honesty of our impartial news agencies. Excuse me. Well, no, I meant I meant literally the Democrats on CNN. Oh, the so ones... let me let me clarify that even more. Hundred to be clear, do you mean the ones that they have on the programming? No. Or the ones that live on the helipad on the roof in a squatter community? <laughs> no. 
Neither? Neither. I meant okay. I meant the Democratic presidential candidates. Are oh. you familiar with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're actually not CNN employees. I'm not sure if you knew so that. So you said meant the Democrats that they have on the program. That was one of your options. That was one of my options, I guess. Hey, I'm going to ask you real quick. Okay. Did you see Joe, Iden, Joe Biden's Joe eye? Iden? Joe Iden? Well, now I'm calling him Joe Iden. Right, it's way cooler. Especially when you're talking about Joe Iden's eye. Did you see eye. his eye? I heard he had a minor... Uh, eye problem like his, not a big deal well no it's not a big deal but it was horrifying oh okay it, so, like he he popped a blood vessel and his eye filled up with blood during the town hall oh wait it happened during the thing yeah like on the town hall oh, like, it wow. was horrifying wow and uh like all these people that like take clips of miley cyrus shaking her butt and then zoom in on her eyes and then like they go out of focus because of the video compression they're like look that's her second eyelid she's a lizard person right i don't know if sense. you go as far down the youtube rabbit hole as i do but at any rate they exist but they're just gonna have a, they're gonna have a whole day with this yeah so with Joe Biden's blood eye he looks like the Antichrist it was amazing yeah so they had this uh, thing at um, they had it like a, a climate change town hall and they brought all the Democratic presidential candidates it was originally going to be a debate that didn't happen because wait a debate between like they didn't say they just were like we should have a climate hall debate and then they never did they just had a town hall Wonderful. 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 I just need more people pontificating to me about how dumb I am. Um, so, basically, no, nothing nothing crazy happened here. You know, like, I, I, we've talked about climate change. It's a thing. A large, large part of it's man-made. It's not going to do much for 100 years. And that's kind of the short version of my, my position on climate change. Um, but the... But the thing that I found so interesting was just a couple of the comments people made. Uh, Kamala Harris uh, is thinking about <laughs> reducing from the top down the amount of meat we consume, which is... I mean, like, only, if you look at the carbon emissions that are made in the United States, meat is only, like, 15% of them. Yeah. So it's, like, it's not even a big part of the pie of the problem. And, and America's meat consumption isn't even a particularly large part of that. No, and... But uh, at, at any rate... Well, I'm, spe I'm specifically speaking to America's carbon emissions when oh, I say okay. use that 15%. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so, like, out of all the things we do, 15% of it is meat consumption. Right. And that specifically is those poor dang cows farting, you know? So, um, but then the other, and Kamala also made a great comment that was she was going to, um, oh, my goodness, she was going to, uh, oh, she was going to ban fracking. <laughs> Which is, which, if you don't understand, like, maybe you don't like fracking because you're like, it's still bad for the environment. Okay, fair enough. But it's way, natural coal, natural gas is way better than than mining coal. Right. For, is, is compared to carbon emissions. Like, it's, this, is, this is what I don't understand. Right, exactly. If they want to help the environment, fine. But why are you turning your back on these solutions we have that are relatively cleaner and effective and efficient like fracking is yeah and more importantly than that like why not uh, atomic energy yeah it, exactly. it makes no sense literally no sense and it's like most uh you, you know it's like if you had to look at the way that you are going to improve you know carbon emissions the idea would be at least from my perspective to go from more to less right and and like it, what one might call a step in the right direction hunter yeah exactly and like nobody wants carbon emissions i mean what we really want is infinite energy for free that doesn't pollute you know like that's everybody wants that but we have to like work our way there it doesn't just show up overnight 
Yeah, um, we've been trying to create perpetual motion machines for like a minute, and so far we haven't been super successful. The pendulum, it's the only one. Sure, Hunter. <laughs> Let me leave, believe my dark fantasies. Um, but uh, my favorite one is, and this isn't, this isn't exactly what Bertie said, but at one point he was kind of hinting at it. One person stood up and said that maybe one of the ways we should worry about, uh, you know, one of the things we should worry about in climate change is the impending, you know, overpopulation of the planet, which is a, a bunch of ridiculousness that we can get into in a second. And Bernie said the two ways that we should do that, one I don't have a problem with is educate women in poor co communities about, you know, birth control. Sure. Fair enough. Way to go. I Excellent. love that. I love birth control. He also said maybe we should make abortion a, a human right, as he likes to say. A human right. Right. So, like, the solution to keeping the planet from killing itself is to make sure that people can destroy whatever amount of life that it is in the womb you want to have to destroy that. Right. Which is the funny thing. Like, if I suggested to you, Christopher, let's go out and kill all the dogs to stop climate change, you would call me a crazy person. No, I wouldn't. But most people wouldn't. That's, uh -oh. I think that's what you're getting at. <laughs> I think that is what I'm getting at. I forgot you had that part of you that hate that loves dog murder. That was my one. <laughs> that, was, that was my one mistake. I love how our options are hates dogs. <laughs> Or loves dog murder. And you really yanked on me there. <laughs> I got you, buddy. You did me a zag, my friend. I zagged you so good. So Here's the problem I have with that. And I want to get into it for just a second. And eventually we'll have to get off this. But yep, the problem I have with that is because the argument, the only argument for abortion, the only one that is somewhat empathetic and respectable, and it's still I don't agree with it, but the only one acceptable is that you would allow abortion because it infringes on a woman's right. In theory, sure, it, yeah, it, yeah. Now she, ch in in the vast majority of cases, she chose to enter into the action where the logical conclusion was pregnancy. Right. So I don't have a whole lot of sympathy there. In a bunch of cases, that's not every case. However, that's the whole point: is that it's impending, it, it's impinging on her liberty, and therefore we should limit it. Uh, we should limit its effect to do so. This is a totally different argument and a really sick argument and it's subtly different and that's what drives me up a wall. Yep. Now it's not we should uh, we should have abortion because of a woman's freedom to choose. It's we should have abortion to improve the climate, the the and the geopolitical right. structure that we find ourselves in. Right. That is so sick. It is. It's so demented. That is truly genocide or or eugenics by another name. Yep. And the thing that dri that drives me crazy is that the people on the left just go, woohoo! I know exactly what happened in the town hall. Oh, they, they clapped. That. They cheered. They did. And and. What they don't realize is that they're falling into this trap where they are they are associating themselves literally in this case with the likes of Hitler because there is a very long trip between the idea that a woman should have the right to control her body and the government should call the weak and a very short trip between the the solution to climate change and overpopulation is murder and the government should control who lives and dies. That's such a short circuit. Yeah. It's t totally sick. But these morons who have their slogans and no foundational ideology to rest them upon principles. will cheer and clap. No principles, thank you. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's recidivist, disgusting nonsense. It's the new dark ages. Yeah, I I thought it was, that. that's the only, that's the main reason why I thought it was so crazy too is because like, if you're really going to suggest, I mean like there's, there's, there's a lot better arguments for abortion than that. I'll just give you that. And the other thing is I think it's made in a context that obviously shows that 
Bernie doesn't isn't well educated on this topic. Um, most, pro I mean, we've had this projection problem before, um, where people go, "Oh my gosh, the Earth is getting overpopulated. By the year X, we're all going to be dead because there won't be enough X for us." And right. Though every single one of those predictions, not saying that they can't, but every one of those predictions has proved to be false. Well, and it's just like the climate change predictions, where they say, you know, the, the, they'll lay out the moderate. Uh, heavy and extreme estimates for what the temperature is going to be in 10 years and we're sure. we're at a percentage point of the moderate right. range like things have this have this ability to level themselves out and that's not a scientific claim i'm just saying that's what we observe to happen right and so it's the same thing with overpopulation when we get into a more crowded uh, place like for instance people start living in cities with more population they start having less kids well it's actually it's actually even crazier cool it's actually more cool than that um Basically, projections now have us topping off at nine million or nine billion. Excuse me, nine million would be crazy for the uh, total. The total. The Earth. total world population is where we're probably going to peak. And the reason for that that people are starting to see is that when you educate women, which is why I like half of Bernie's answer, when you educate women, child birth rates go down, and they start instead of having four kids and and keeping instead of having eight kids and keeping four, they have two kids and none of them die. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Interesting way to phrase that by keep. But yes. What I did I, what I, what did I, okay. Yeah. You have eight kids and, and four of them die. Yeah, exactly. Which is what happens in, in rural, uh, less advanced areas. Well, it's what's happened since like the, you know, before the 20th century, right. you know, like it, like we live in this age where you don't have to just have tons of kids and then you know pray to god a couple of them make it and like for instance the reason that we only have a couple of kids per family here in america is because we for one that's all that people can afford now you got to send kids to school yeah and it's expensive and it's expensive to have children uh, in and but that would make sense if the population is going to top off a bit, you know, because right, like, exactly. if resources become more scarce, it becomes harder to give children, it becomes harder to give, you know, yeah. kids a thing. Well, like if two parents have two kids right. for their entire life, well, then that's, that equals, that's inputs equal outputs. But yeah. the reason, like, if you look at Ireland, for instance, a totally different setup over there, the reason that Irish people have way more kids is because they're Catholic. But if you look at sub-Saharan Africa, the reason that sure. they have... Sure. Oh, just, just a quick jab at the Catholics in Ireland. Ha-cha! But the, the reason that they have tons of kids in sub-Saharan Africa is it's actually expensive not to have kids. You've got to have kids that can help um, work and help run the farm, right. etc. So, On anyhow. average, when you educate uh, people, the it's, it's 1.5 to 2 kids, which means there's a lot of people not having children and there's a lot of people having one child. Right. So it evens out even when even when we consider like those Catholics. All right, so Bernie's a dummy. Yeah. Are we so, done with that? Hey, we're done with that. Put that in a bucket. Yeah. Give the government the ability to cull the weak under the guise of caring about the climate, you sick fascists. That That's the same thing that, you know, the reason someone would say the government should mandate us not to eat meat. Do you have any idea how much how many people meat eating has saved over oh, the course insane. of the history of the planet. Right. It's insanity. And to say that you want to give control over that to the government is sick. Same goes with coal. Same goes with fracking. Same goes with, with natural resources and their utilization. Yep. The, our ability to master the planet has saved countless, countless lives. And if that's not your goal as a legislator, what the hell are you doing? For real, what the hell are you doing? And, and the idea that it's safe to give that kind of control over to the government completely against the founding principles of America where the government said we are going to take our hands off the rights that are inherent in your DNA that is sick to me yeah so anyway Bernie take a long walk off a short pier you crazy
I'll just censor myself there. There, 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 it's done. Um, so yeah, that's kind of roadkill. Uh, do we want to get in the meat of it? Yeah, let's talk about something more wholesome. Yeah, wholesome for the whole family. So, uh, I think w w how we discuss this, we, we're kind of going in a more religious direction this day, listeners. So, pull out your Bibles. It's going to get serious. Um, did you, did you want me to kind of talk about this piece and then like see how the thing you were saying kind of meshes with it. I think that was our last conversation on this or have you thought anything different since then? Uh, that's fine. Mine's a, like the thing I was thinking and pitch for the show today is a really concise idea. Okay. I don't know how much, I don't know if you're, if it makes a better springboard because I feel like yours is a little bit more I think you're, I think it might actually. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you spring us in? So one, one thing that I had reread last week and was thinking about a lot uh, especially given the current climate where we find ourselves uh, really respecting the intelligence of humanity quite a bit. I was rereading some Genesis. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the Bible, if you pick up the Bible and you open the front cover, hey, you're there. Um, <laughs> Genesis is about the creation of the earth and its first inhabitants. And we went through uh, kind of the creation story in, in detail in a couple of episodes talking about the Enumalish. But there was a really interesting story in my mind that happened a while after that. And it's a story that folks might be familiar with. It's kind of one of these weird arcane stories that finds its way into different pop cultural references, uh, but not like Cain and Abel, like that popular, you know, like their, their central contention in Assassin's Creed and like these t AAA studio video games and stuff. A right. little bit less than that, but it's actually, it's the Tower of Babel. And so it's this story. It's only a couple lines long. It's very short. Which is something that makes it kind of interesting. Um, and basically the gist of it goes thusly. It starts out with the people of Earth gathering together and it mentions that they all spoke the same tongue. And uh, to give slight context, uh, this is pre-Abraham post-Noah. If that kind of helps you put it in, if, if you are the scholar. Uh, is it post-Noah? Yeah, it happened, yeah, because, uh, uh, it, 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 Shem and his sons are all referenced, or Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You're, you're right. Yeah, okay, they're good, all good referenced point. there. Uh, the point is I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so anyway. He's got the science, I got the books, or the book. <laughs> the, the literature. We there should we just go. call it classic literature. Classic For literature. For those people of you that are squeamish about religion. There we go. Um, so anyway, it says that they all spoke the same tongue. And they came together and say, uh, come, let us build a tower to the gods. Mm -hmm. And the idea was, was that they could literally stack blocks so high that they could get to heaven. Right. And you know, these people had a more primitive understanding of what heaven's, heaven was. It's why we have the same name for the sky, you know, the heavens, as we did for the place where God dwelt. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea was that you could literally reach paradise uh, and be in the presence of God if you could stack things up tall enough. So it's kind of an interesting idea. And God saw what they were doing. He looked down at their tower and said, uh, no, I won't allow this. I will reestablish my dominance, basically. And what he does is he confuses their tongues. Uh, which I thought was really interesting. So he, and by that it means that he caused them to speak different languages. So people right. who could speak to each other the day before when they showed up for their shift at the tower building, uh, at 
the, you know, the Tower of Babel. Correct. They no longer could speak to each other. And right. because of this, people found the people who they could speak a common language and they grouped together and they formed different tribes. And so that's interesting on like a hundred different levels. Sure. If, if you just say, okay, what if something like this happened? What if this event is true? Then can we trace back, you know, tribalism to this origin or different races, different uh, people groups migrating throughout time? Like what all could trace back to this moment? Right. Obviously it's not the start of violence, uh, according to the Bible, because that happened way before there were separate tribes. There's this Cain and Abel thing. Exactly. <laughs> but, but it's an interesting idea. And I also think it's an interesting problem. So maybe we should break down the symbolism and the, uh, the myth of the event and okay. talk about that for just a second. Okay. So do you, do you want to, do you want to take a step? Uh, of the tower of Babel specifically? Yeah. Just the tower of Babel. Um, I haven't thought a ton about that. I, I can do it if you don't, if you want me to. Yeah. Why don't you? Yeah. So the, I was actually reading it with the story with someone who had not really read the story before. And they asked me, why would God do this? Just because they were trying to build a big tower. Sure. And, of course, like, for someone who's been in Sunday school since they were a child, I didn't realize how strange that concept sounded. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But it is kind of a strange concept. Yes. And the point was not that they were trying to see how much they could achieve. The point, like I kind of alluded to earlier, is that they were trying to be God. Correct. They were trying to reach his throne. Yeah. And it's more archetypal, more symbolic of what they were doing. But you ought to understand, for these people, they might have actually thought that that was the way to succeed. That they get to the top, they knock on the ceiling of the sky, and open it up, and ah, there's heaven, we did it. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so anyone who's tried to walk uh, to the top of the Eiffel Tower knows that that would be an exhausting journey. But... Mm. At, the same time it's also it's also a posture of your soul to say that you can ascend to the level of god right and we do that today but i think we do it in a different way but it's interesting because there's a couple times in the bible where somebody says in their heart i will be like god yep. and it never turns out well one is at the tower of babel one is in the garden of eden which we've talked about at great length but the Satan's snake tempted Right, the snake tempted Eve and said, "Take, eat, and you'll have the understanding of God. You'll be like Him." Right. And the other time is, I think it's Isaiah, when uh, the prophet tells the story about uh, Satan being cast down from heaven, uh -huh. and he he said that the snake said in his heart, "I will be like God," and he was cast down like lightning. Yeah, you know, I, I honestly, and this is this is one of those hard problems. Is like. We, our culture is so framed by Milton's Paradise Lost sure. that a lot of that, a lot of those references, um, like the reason we think pride is the reason Satan was cast down, it was cast out of heaven, is mainly mainly due mainly due to that uh, epic poem actually, which is really interesting. A lot of if you actually go and read the sections in the Bible that talk about Satan, there aren't that many. That's um, true, but. Jesus does mention that he saw that he sees Satan fall like lightning out of heaven but I don't know and I think he's quoting Isaiah when he does say that but I don't know if this section in Isaiah actually um, describes it might not contain that story yeah and I think and I think uh, the same idea uh, I think actually the same idea about Satan being or Lucifer um, being um the head musician is also from Milton's Paradise Lost. There is no reference to that in the Bible. There I could, might not be. I could be wrong, and one of the problems is because 
that story is so ingrained about the way most people just naturally talk about the Bible without realizing it. It's really hard to find the line there, but there, but there are a couple of those which you could say miss we've added. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it, well, I mean, we do know that Lucifer was an angel. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And we also know that he led a revolt against God. Yeah, to, exactly. For the throne of heaven. Exactly, which is, correct. Which is, a, and it, it says the piece about him saying that he would be like God. He okay. would be God's equal. Okay. I thought it was in Isaiah. I could be wrong. Could be. But the the point is, and the musician stuff, I don't know about any of that, mm-hmm. but um, the point is that it's interesting because when when humans made their fall, when Satan made his fall, and when culture found its fall at the Tower of Babel, all of those instances were triggered by a posture of one's soul saying that I will be like God. Sure. That I, I have the power of God. And like I've mentioned before, I think we do the same thing today. I think that that's effectively what atheism is. Okay. Uh, in a lot of ways, because atheism is, nope, I've got it, no thanks, I understand all I need to know. I don't need any redemption. I don't need any assistance. I and my knowledge and the knowledge of the humans that are surround me is sufficient to um, put the universe in its proper order. Mm. And I think we do this in, in schools a lot. Like I've mentioned before, I got kicked out of a bunch of science classes for arguing with the teacher. Yeah. And it got me thinking even way back then, like what are these institutions and what are they doing? And if they're not allowing these ideas that that challenge their suppositions to come to fruition, uh, what does that say about them and what does it say about the school? And it's hard for me to distinguish those those institutions from the Tower of Babel. Oh, interesting. Okay. And because what are from that same characteristic then, that same attitude. Yeah, it's this edifice that we've built up this this monuments to human knowledge. Interesting. Right? And yeah. and it is offended. I know firsthand, and also there's the news is replete with stories, and I know that's somewhat anecdotal. There's no statistics on this kind of thing, but there there are stories and um, and uh, what am I looking for? Uh, Policies at these schools that make them rather unfriendly to the idea of religion, especially Christianity. Mm. And the the conclusion I guess I come to is that there are these institutions that we build up that are that are monuments to human knowledge and our ability. They reject God, especially the God of the Bible, and it's hard to distinguish that that edifice, that idea, that archetype from so, the archetype of the Tower of Babel. I actually have been reading Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion, which is I think I think did I, did I mention on you did okay um, well. I continue to just be kind of surprised, actually, by the level of viciousness and the level of, like, uh, the grade school arguments that come out of the text. Um, one of the ones, and I maybe you've heard this, is there's a the Boeing 747 argument. I hope it's a 747, not a 474, because that's going to be so embarrassing if I get that wrong. But I'm pretty sure it's a 747. Those boys, all <laughs> arguments invalidated, they don't know the number at the end of plane names. Yeah, and so uh, this is this is a this is a apologist argument for the Bible, um, is that, you know, e- evolution working is the essential idea of a hurricane going through a junkyard and creating a Boeing 747. Right. Right. And you, I think on first blush, that's a pretty good argument. You know, you, did you want to say something? I've heard that argument used both to describe the complexity of the scripture as it was written by many different parts and also to describe 
the uh, kind of the inanity of of the Big Bang theory. It's it's a pretty good argument for anything when you're describing um, anything that statistically seems impossible. When, whenever you're right. whenever you have a complex system yep. and you attempt to say that the uh, genesis of that system was random chance. Correct. Um, and so what Richard Dawkins does is he makes a argument that the that that there that basically that that question is saying like it, it, it's that ontological argument right which is you know there has to be a first unmoved mover right right there has to be the thing that things generate from and so what Dawkins says is that the easiest argument to pose against that is the ultimate 747 or the ultimate Boeing 747 saying that well then what caused God sure. right and I right. And, and I think and I think like that. That is such a bad argument because kind of what you're talking about and this we're trying to attack religion with our minds and these institutions and these places. We, we did a whole kind of thing talking about how God is outside of time. Well, if he's out in space and a lot of other stuff, right? If, if he's out, if he's outside of all these things that we see the universe through cause and effect, take a whole new discussion. There's a whole new right. paradigm that has to be that has to be a conversation around here. And the easiest way to, and I'm not saying this is the solution, but the easiest way to do this is, if something in fact was create, how could something outside of time create itself? Well, in our perspective as time, it could be in the future creating itself in the past. Well, here's the other. You see what I'm saying? Well, here's and the like, other thing too. Uh, yeah, I understand. Okay. That's an easy way to explain it to someone, maybe. But the truth of the matter sure, is, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a, the the basic level argument to get you on my side that the seven, the ultimate Boeing 747 is a bad argument. Right. Well, it is a bad argument because the the unmoved mover argument exists in our universe, and it only go it only works in our universe. Ah, uh, okay. So, fair for enough. Instance, right. Yeah. Why, if something has, if something is truly eternal, if something is truly supra six dimensional, yeah. then why does it need uh, something to beget it? Yeah. There, that concept doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Because it, it would have always existed and will always exist. There is, not only is there nothing that could come before it, there's no time for it to come before in. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense to use that argument on God. If you're using that argument on God, it shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what God is, or right. at least what God could be. Yeah, I, I, I think when you define, you when when you you make this fatal mistake where you say that the that everything in the universe exists as how I understand it to exist, and I think what what that the dangerous the danger that comes from there is like when when you're thinking about God, he he obviously can't exist in the in the simple way that we understand things to exist. Right. By things, I mean literally everything in the known universe. Right. Right. And that's kind of what our dimension conversation was about from a couple podcasts ago. Go back and listen. It's worth it. Well, let's take that idea back to the Tower of Babel, right? Sure. Yeah. I, I guess what I just wanted to say is like when you build these institutions up to like to understand God, right? And they don't and they say everything has to be something that I can understand they're not even playing fair with the idea anymore. Right, it, precisely. Yeah, okay. To the Tower of Babel, yep. these savages are not going to build a mud hut high enough to reach heaven. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Like, it's just, it's a fundamental misunderstanding right. of what God might be and if he if heaven exists, where it would be located. Exactly it's not right. up. Yeah. It's it's out. I don't know. It's it's it, we actually don't have a spatial we word to point to. We actually don't have a spatial it. word to tell you where it is. Yes. Yeah, but precisely. you know, we can we but can create four-dimensional objects in the three-dimensional world or like representations of them. See uh, shadows. See shadows. That's the that's the proper way to say it. Thank you. But at, at any rate, here here's the problem. 
is that they're they thought that they understood everything. They yes. thought that they understood yes. where God was based on their primitive understanding. Right. And they weren't even close. Yep. They they were they weren't even headed in the right direction. Right. And by the way, they could have picked every other direction and still been wrong. You know what's very interesting in this is how is all the predictions we've made concerning um, population uh, over growth, if you will, you know, in the, in the context of the earlier part of the podcast, we were talking about, you know, all these predictions saying like the entire world is going to implode. We're all going to die. And it was based off of old data that we knew. Right. And extrapolating from that, which is essentially the same problem. And and, well, that's, that's old data that we knew that was fourth dimensional. Not, uh, not even sure. This is, yeah. this is. I mean, I agree with you. It's the same. It's, it's the, the same, same human tendency to go to to, to. to. It's the same flaw. It's to value what we know over what we don't. Correct. And and it's the same flaw. But in this instance, we're talking about orders of magnitude of difference. Right. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. No, and you're we definitely do the same right. thing when we say, well, like, well, I don't know how st- a light from a star that's ten billion light years away could get here if the universe was only six thousand years old. And it's like, hey, buddy, you have no proof that the universe didn't start during that sentence. Sure. You have have no proof yeah. and and the if you truly are curious if you're truly an inquisitive person if you truly value what you don't know on par with what you know and don't have this human-centric and more importantly self-centric idea of what's valuable and to assume that the stuff that you can grasp the stuff that you can put your mental fingers around is that which matters that's hubris yeah and that's exactly why satan was cast out of heaven that's exactly why they were banished from the garden adam and eve were and it's precisely why our language was confused at the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Now, let's get into the interesting bit. Why then, if they were so wrong, why then would God confuse their tongues? It's a question worth asking. I'm not saying I have the answer. But it's a question worth asking. Because even though these people could have built on indefinitely, forever, with the most sophisticated equipment and the most advanced techniques, then they weren't going to reach his throne. Why did he stop them? It's a good question. Um, it's a really hard question to, to answer. Yeah, I would take... Um, hmm. Perha- perhaps, perhaps just because it's, you know, the, the action itself was evil, and to some extent. I know that's a probably a big jump in there from the word, but... I like to hear what you have to say. Well, I haven't done, I haven't finished my thinking on this yet. Okay. But let's jump to another story because I think that there's insight to be gained here. Okay. So you know that with our little group that we've put together, we've been studying spiritual gifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the light of exper- of studying spiritual gifts, we've been talking about one gift in particular that I have a problem with. Speaking in tongues? Speaking in tongues. Sure, okay. Um, and I don't have a problem with it because I believe it doesn't exist. I just believe that most of the time, most every time, maybe every time in the past, I don't know, a thousand years that people said they were doing it, they were lying. Okay, fair um, enough. Because of uh, specifically Pentecost, then, or something else. You mean Pentecostals? Uh, no, no, no. I actually meant the the uh, Peter sermon at, at Pentecost. That's what I wanted to talk about. Okay, okay. It's super interesting. Okay. And I think that these two stories are actually the beginning and end to a narrative arc in the Bible. Interesting. Okay, I'm starting to see it. Okay. And the reason is because, for those of you who don't know, at Pentecost, it was after Jesus uh, came back from the dead and walked among his disciples and then ascended to the throne, ascended to the right hand of God, 
He said, I will send a helper, the Holy Spirit, as he's commonly known, the Spirit of God, to be with people. And when God showed up on Pentecost, there was lots of strange things that happened. Uh, there was fire above uh, the heads of the believers, and uh, they preached and, and spoke about Jesus and his resurrection. But one thing that was super interesting that happened is that they spoke in tongues. And by that, I don't mean that they spoke in the language of angels. You know, like the stuff you might hear, like a uh, uh, TV televangelist gobbling on about. Right. They spoke in languages that they didn't know, and everybody there understood them. Right. So if I was speaking English, and you spoke Spanish, you would hear Spanish. Is essentially the description that happens in Acts. That's one, one read. The other read would be that all of a sudden you spoke Spanish. Yeah, 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 and so one way or there, one way or another, everybody is hearing the the uh, the sermon essentially given by the, the several different disciples all at once, and whatever language they speak, whether it's this guy is speaking your language over here, go stand in front of him so you can hear, right. or everybody or is if speaking. It's everyone's the same, hearing, and they can just hear it. The or right way. or maybe it was some kind of seventh. I say seventh, like there's. Uh, I don't know why I picked seven. It has to do with something that, I, in my mind, I realize doesn't make any sense, and I'm not <laughs> going to say why because it's too stupid. But okay. um, it, there's some kind of X plus one language, this new language that everyone could speak and understand. Okay. We don't really know. But what we do know is this, that the tongues weren't confused on that day. Right, yeah. And, and that definitely definitely happens a lot afterwards. Yes, it, it certainly does. Yeah. And here's here's the point. We all spoke the same language. We had this common culture. I mean, language is one of the things that ties a culture together. Right. It, it's, you know, people say that it's it's xenophobic to say that there's an expectation that when someone enters the country, they should be able to speak the official languages of that country. Mm. But without being able to communicate, I mean, how can you even resolve conflicts like at the grocery store? It becomes right. increasingly difficult. And I'm not saying it's not worth trying. I'm just saying it's obvious that it becomes increasingly difficult. It, it, should, it, should, be, it should be at some certain proficiency the price of entry. It, 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 I think that that's reasonable. Yeah. Now, may, there's so many alternatives, technological alternatives to not, that now that I'm open to. Sure, absolutely. But, but especially back at, during the founding of America, that's a, perfect, a perfectly reasonable expectation. Yes. Now... We tried to make ourselves like God. We built up our tower. We thought we're going to reach his throne. And what are we going to do when we get there? My idea is that the thinking was we were going to take it. We were going to usurp it. Ah, sure. Now that seems pretty typical. Or at least copy it. Because now we are where the gods dwell. Right. We would become like God. Exactly. In a sense. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And he confused our tongues. He said, no longer will you operate with this efficiency. Ah, I already got, I got your punchline. Keep going. Then when God actually shows up, when the kingdom of heaven comes, he says, now speak to each other. Yeah. He reversed the punishment of the Tower of Babel in his power. That's very cool. I think I think it's true. I, I, I truly do think that those stories are... Bookends. Bookends. Oh, no, maybe not necessarily, because here's the thing. After well, Pentecost, sure, we lost it again. But it's this glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven is. Right. It's, I, a, it's this picture, you know, because at the garden, we were perfect. We were with him. And then we fell. And then there was the flood. And then there was the Tower of Babel, right? Yep. And there was murder. All of those things entered the earth. And we degraded, degraded, degraded. But there was this moment after the cross... Where he said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Right on. And let me show you what I can do with my power. Yeah. Let me show you what 
humanity rightly associated with the Father looks like. Yes. And yeah. I, I think it's I think it's incredible because what was different about those two days? On the first day on the Tower of Babel, they said, I'll be like God. It was man going to God. And on the on the next day, it was after after salvation came back. God coming to man. And rose to the Father. Yeah. And yeah, said, yeah. I will send you a helper. When he came to us, everything was made right. It was a totally different posture of the soul, a totally different posture of the heart that led to Pentecost as opposed to the one that led to the Tower of Babel. I really love that, and I think there's a lot of merit to it. Um, I honestly don't think there's really the proper amount of time to get into... We, we actually, when we drafted this up earlier, we thought we thought that was going to be the shorter bit, but I think it's good enough to stand on its own, quite frankly. Okay. Um, so why don't we just... I actually think, now that you've said that, it's actually a really good... It, it follows along a lot of the same ideas of this other theory I've been working at, and just for the teaser on that, it has something to do with the covenants in the Bible Sweet. that come up, and I think they also kind of play along this... They, they essentially play along this broader timeline that you're bringing up. And I think when we start going through that, we'll start to pull out some parallels. That'll be really interesting. But I, th- I think if we started doing it now, we, we, we'd probably just waste uh, good material and, you know, keeping this to the right amount of limit for an episode, if that sort of makes sense. Sure. You know, right amount of time. So um, I guess for the non-religious takeaways, the non-religious takeaway is value that which you don't know. Right. It might be more powerful than you think. And if your focus is on that, you got to open your mind up to a lot of the things that are conventionally impossible, but even scientifically, perfectly harmonious with the universe we find around us, just outside of it. And that for the religious among you, don't turn yourself into a god. Get off the throne yeah. at every opportunity. Because I think that the reason that God confused the languages at the Tower of Babel is not because he needed to. It's not because there was a threat. It was because it was mercy. It was to make us reliant on him and not reliant on ourselves. Yeah. And because in our own power, we can start to think that we're self-sufficient and we can just rely on our own ability, our own intellect, our own needs, our own intelligence. But the truth of the matter is we don't even, we can't even properly define the problem, much less find the solution. They thought that the problem was that their elevation was too low. How stupid does that sound right. today? And yet, today is the key part. There. There's nothing new under the sun. We are just as dumb now as we are back then. We just don't know in which ways we're dumb. Yeah, and and, I, and so it, I th- I truly think it was his mercy that said, "I'm going to show you what happens when you try and go out on your own." And he did it in a pretty lightweight way. Nobody died. Rare for the Old Testament, but still. Mm. And then when he reinstated it, he showed us what could be accomplished with his power. Yeah. And so, get yourself off the throne. Realize that you don't have the control. You don't have the intellect that you need. And he does. Wait for him. uh, And I don't mean in a passive way. In an active way. Focus on his priorities and, and listen. And when you listen to him and say, we need you to come to us, that's when he acts. Yeah. Um, I'm going to add to that with just one good little random fact because I don't think there's anything more to say on top of it than that. I think we've, I think you summed up everything we said nicely. I do just want to let you know, uh, as, a, as a fun little fact, um, the helper that is talked about in the New Testament, uh, Muslims read that and believe that refers to Muhammad. 
Uh, so there's a fun little fact for you to know. I also don't think it really stands up if you look at the New Testament and read it with a little bit of critical eye because clearly Luke writes Luke and then Luke writes Acts. And, yeah. you know, he clearly is speaking of the Holy Spirit, like, pretty pretty much, ver you know, directly. specifically directly. So I, unless, unless you think Luke got it wrong, then I don't think there's another way to read that. Well, you know, Hunter, in some translations of the Bible, the Holy Spirit also does beat his wife. That's Aisha. true. That's true. Uh, so who, who can say really? Who can uh, say really? If I had to pick one, I, it wouldn't be Muhammad. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks, Chris, for walking us through that. I thought that was really awesome. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Carl Pulling. You could email the show at carlpulling at gmail.com. We have a website. Go there. Check us out. Carlpulling.com. Yep. And we have. you can find us on iTunes, Facebook. Uh, rate and like us there five stars please you can find the show on Instagram and Twitter at carpooling and you can find me at emotional Carl and you can find Chris at Chris X Carl that's right now there's a lot of things that we don't know but one thing that we do know is that viruses and pathogens get out of the back seat we're home